0: now for those of you who are wondering like how can that be an introduction to a sermon well it's the most practical introduction I've ever seen in this the message today is called the ambassadors of reconciliation and all week long all week long we've had children some of who you saw up here today that they call Valley their home they're here every week you see them around and you know that they're in our classes and they're hearing about Jesus Christ. We also had children that showed up from other churches who can't do a program like we were allowed to do. And then the third one is the category of our community. We had children showing up here that had never been to a church. They'd never come to church. They didn't know anything about Jesus when they arrived. And they left here knowing things about Jesus. Did they? Yeah, yeah, amen. Amen. So the reason that we, we thank the volunteers is because they've been being ambassadors all week. Every night this last week they were ambassadors for Jesus Christ asking children to reconcile themselves through Jesus Christ to the Heavenly Father. Is that valuable? Absolutely it's valuable. It's monumental. It is. And I had the privilege of being here for three of the nights, Um, because when you get to be my age, you can only handle about three nights, (laughs) but all week long, they were ambassadors for reconciliation, all week long, so it's the perfect example of what we're going to teach about today, and preach about, is about being an ambassador of Jesus Christ, asking people to be reconciled to God the Father, that's what we're doing, you know, I had the privilege of standing right over here on Thursday night they do a oh I think it's the pushes of a gospel presentation if you don't know what gospel is that's the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you so sometimes we use church words and people are here that don't understand those but so that's what was done on Thursday night and I was asked by Andrea could I stay and pray up front with some kids and I said sure I'd love to and me and Linda Bosworth stood down here and there was no one coming up so we just started to pray with each other and there was suddenly a young man right there with us and he was about 11 years old and um, Linda started to talk to him and said do you know about Jesus he says well I've, I've learned about him here well do you want to accept him This is what he said. He says, I don't know. I'm not sure. And so you're kind of struck with, what do I do with that? And he said this. He says, I don't know. He says, I'm not sure because my mom and my dad and my family, they believe something different than what you're teaching me. And they tell me if I don't believe what they believe, that I'm going to go to hell. And then I come here tonight, and all I hear is about Jesus. And if I don't believe in him, I don't put my faith in him, I'm going to go to hell. And he looked at me and he said, which one do I believe? What do I believe? And you know, I, I want to take him through the five points of Calvinism and run him through and tell him all of that. But his parents are waiting for him. And I thought this, to be an ambassador of Christ, I must tell you what he's done for you. I've got to plant the seed. Maybe someone else will water the seed in that boy. But God has to give the growth. He has to be the one. And But it, when I did promise the little boy, I said, let me prom- make you a promise. If you take Jesus, I can promise you this, everything else will fall into place. If you take him, I just know that everything else will work itself out. And I promised him this. I said, young man, and he was trying to get away from me as you have all tried to do whenever you talk to me. And I said, hold on a second, I need you to look at me. And he said, yeah. And I said, I know that you may not be ready now, but God's doing something in you He's doing a conviction in you right now. Please don't ignore it. And this was the promise I made that little boy. I am going to pray that God who has began that foundational thing in you will show you Jesus Christ. I'm just going to keep praying that. Alright? So, listen. I can barely talk about it. Because he's so conflicted. He He's just which one do I do I love my mom and dad and I believe them but I believe what you're saying here about Jesus which one is right which one's right so you just have to leave that with the Lord you have to leave it with the Lord and that's what I had to do I I wanted to grab him and hug him and hold him and tell him that Jesus loves him and he'd already heard all that And you can tell it's an emotional thing for me. Because I've got the best news in the world. And yet there's so many other things out there that point away from Christ. So, that would lead me to the passage. I won't tell you the little boy's name because I probably couldn't pronounce it anyway. But he's not from Valley Bible Church. He doesn't come here normally. Thank God. Thank you people who give to this ministry so that we can have an impression on a little boy who never heard about Jesus until this last week. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I thank you that your word is the truth There is no truth aside from you, none, no truth. But we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you decided in eternity past to reveal yourself to us. And you've done so. And you're the one that reconciles us to you. We don't reconcile you to us. You reconcile us to you. So we say, thank you. Oh, would you be with me, Lord? I'll, I'll have a hard time getting through the sermon if you don't help me. But oh, that your word will go forward and that people will not just hear it and walk out the back door and not be changed. Your word achieves its purpose. It's what you promised. So we're going to open by reading what you said through the Apostle Paul. And we have the privilege of doing so. And we're privileged to be a part of your family because of your precious, wonderful son, Jesus Christ. Amen. The passage is 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 21. And I read from the NASB version. For the love of Christ, let me say it again. For the love of Christ controls us having concluded this and I'm convinced of it that one died for all therefore all died and he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who died and rose again on their behalf therefore from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh even though we have known Christ according to the flesh yet now we know him in this way no longer therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creature the old things have passed away behold new things have come now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation namely that god was in christ reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation therefore we are ambassadors for christ as though god were making an appeal through us we beg you on behalf of christ be reconciled to god and then this section here is incredible Verse 21, he, who's he? God made him his son who knew no sin to be sin on my behalf, on your behalf, on behalf of the world, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Blessed be the word of the Lord, huh? That's what we're going to speak from. I'm going to give you four different M's. I was tempted to call this message the M&M's, but I did not. I have too much respect for the passage to do so. The number one thing we'll talk about is what motivates us to be his ambassador. Secondly, we will be talking about the ministry of reconciliation. Thirdly, the message. And the last one is the method First, probably the longest section. You see that we're told in verse 20 that therefore is huge. Because therefore makes you look back up to verses 14 and down. And we see that you should be motivated. You should be the ambassador. Well, what motivates you to be his ambassador? What compels you? Another word, compels. What controls you? Well, in the verse there, in verse 14, you see that he says, for the love of Christ controls us. It's his great love for us that compels me to be an ambassador. And I discovered that when you begin to experience and know Christ's love, it creates a pressure in you that will put you into action. If you've experienced his love, if you know what he did for you on that cross, if you know what your life was like before and what it's like today, you should be compelled to, because of his great love, compelled to be his ambassador. That pressure of knowing him. How could I be loved by such a one and know that he loves you in such a fashion and not want to share that with you? You see, I don't have a problem sharing it with you because I know I'm an ambassador. And the second phrase there, having concluded this. You can't come to a conclusion on something unless you're convinced about it. I'm convinced of what he's done for me on a cross. I'm convinced I'm controlled by what he did I want to be his ambassador because he said I have to be and I want to do it because I get the privilege of doing it I love him so much for what he's done you know I couldn't love him before he loved me I didn't know how to love until I met Jesus all the love I had was what can I get from you Now all of a sudden I meet Jesus and all the love I have for you is what can I give you? I want to tell you about him. I want you to know my Savior. You heard me preach a while back where I was talking to my little niece who's not a believer and I was sharing Christ with her. And I told her, Honey, if I die and leave this life and don't know you're going with me, it'll be death on death to me when I care so deeply about you. You know what? The Lord has put something in me and he's put it in you to love people. And not just the ones that do everything you want them to do. They're earning it if that's what's going on. I I shared with that little boy and then earlier in the evening I shared with a mother that came who wasn't a believer. And I told her very clearly, I said, honey, I love you today. And I can say that because Jesus Christ died for me and because you're flesh on flesh, you're made in the image of God. And there's nothing more that I want for you to have the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. See, she had just lost her mother and she didn't know where her mother was. She doesn't know the hope that we have. I'm like, how do you not share with someone that's right in front of you like that? You see, I'm convinced. I get it. It's all about Him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Him. And when you become His ambassador, you speak for Him. I appreciate the half a dozen that believe it with me. You see, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, he became a curse for us. The God of the universe left heaven and came down and died on a cross for your sins. He took all the sins on. You see, he says there in the part of there, he says, for one died, that one died for all who's the one who died for all Jesus Christ is the one who died for all so that being in him I died with him now it's interesting don't get this twisted if you're here today and you'd never place your faith in Jesus Christ you're dead it's a different kind of death though you're dead in your trespasses you have no relationship with the father you can't have because you've got sin in your life. What kind of relationship does light have with dark? It has none. So he had to send Jesus Christ to die for you so that he could relate to you, so that he could say, Now you're reconciled to me through the death of my son. So I'm persuaded. We used to sing that song. Well, how did it go, Tim? For I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him until that day. I'm I'm persuaded today that he died for me. I'm persuaded. I got assurance. I'm in Christ. I'm going to be with him in heaven someday. (laughs) On Friday, I did a funeral for Reba Rodriguez. Some of you know her. Some of you don't know her. She came to Valley for years. I did a funeral. There was 125 people. I didn't recognize any of them. Guess what I did? I didn't talk sweet nothings to people. I preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to those people. That's right. That's right. And you know what I found out in my, in my ministry and in, in this journey that I've been on? He did all the dying that was necessary. And I got to step into him and ex- get the righteousness of Christ. Everything he is. He died. He never sinned. When I stepped into him, when he died, but he was resurrected. And guess what? If you're in him, you're resurrected too. The truth is that the heart of salvation, God's wrath against sin required death. So Jesus took the wrath and died in the sinner's place. If you're here this morning and you've heard this a million times, but you've never placed your faith in him, you're just as lost as before you heard it. I'm concerned about the guy in the room and the girl in the room and the man and the woman in the room that says they know him and they've never met him. I want to make sure you don't just know about him. I want to make sure you know him. I used to do a song when I was a kid. Do you know Jesus? He's a friend of mine. Do you know Jesus? He's all you need. He is all you need. Taking away the wrath of God and satisfying God's justice because he was the perfect sacrifice. Therefore, all have died. All that are in him have died to sin. I was once dead in sin. Now I'm dead from sin. I don't have sin in me anymore because I have the righteousness of Christ instead. This is the motivation for me to be his ambassador. I don't want people going to hell. I don't. He tells us, Snatch them from the fire. While well, today is today, let's get them out," it said in Acts twenty twenty eight. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. That's my job. That's the job of the elders. That's the job of the pastors. But guess what? This job to be His ambassador is all of your jobs. John Piper has a wonderful book called Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. If, let me tell you something. Valley Bible Church. The term evangelism, what is, that? what is that? That's a big word, right? Evangelism. It's got a bunch of syllables in it. All right? All that really is is being prepared to tell people the good news about what Jesus Christ has done them. And, and to let that be the thing that propels you through this life. He saved you for ministering. He saved you to do exactly this to be his ambassador. And so I say to you, it's in the Scripture, you have died because he died, you're resurrected because he's resurrected, but now you have this thing in you, you've got to tell people. If you got saved, if you've been saved, if you've been accepted this gospel, and you don't ever want to share it with someone, what is wrong with you? I'm wondering if you know the same Savior I have. I do, and I'm going to say this. I'm not preaching this message to make you guilty. You either are guilty or you're not guilty. I don't make you one or the other, but I know I can preach on three subjects, three subjects I can preach on every week and make you guilty. One of them is this, evangelism, number two would be your prayer life, and number three would be how much money you're given. Is that accurate? How many raise a hand to say that's true? Yeah, you see, I don't try and preach to make you guilty. I just tell you what God says. And this is what He's saying we ought to be. All right, let me keep moving. Not living for self. You see that in 15? And He died for all, for all. Thank God that I'm part of the all. Huh? Aren't you thankful today that when you place faith in Christ, you became part of His all? We're all in His family. You became part of that when you placed your faith in Him. So that they who live might no longer live for themselves. If you're living your life and the only thing you're concerned about is yourself, you better re-examine things. But, not for themselves, but for Him who died and rose again on whose behalf? On your behalf. And my behalf. And all's all. He died for them. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Listen, I like this line. I saw this. I can't remember if it was John MacArthur who I, I I wrote it down a long time ago, and so. But listen, I love this statement. Just listen. Christ died our death for us, so that we might live his life for him. You like that? I love that. Christ died our death for us. Because you could have died and it would have made a bit of difference. It wouldn't have. Your death wouldn't have satisfied God. It took his son to be satisfied. His son was the only one he could be satisfied with his death. Thank God he didn't ask me to give my son up. It never even, I don't think it ever came to his mind to ask you to give up one of your children because it wouldn't have worked anyway. See, my death wouldn't pay for any of the sins that I've done. No, it took the death of a perfect spotless lamb. And only his son could satisfy that. Death to self is the result of dying in Christ, along with the resurrection to a new life of righteousness in Christ. Galatians 2.20 i have been crucified with christ and it is no longer i who live but christ lives in me and the life which i now live in this flesh i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself up for me for you for whoever is in him he's done everything necessary he's done all the dying that's needed He's paid, all this, he's paid the price for all the sins that will ever happen. You can go out today and sin, and if you believe in Jesus Christ, it's paid for. In verse 16, he says this, Therefore from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Not this outward appearance anymore. Once you become a believer in Christ, there is no color barrier. There is no age discrepancies. There is no sex discrepancies. Male and female, same in God's sight. Black, brown, yellow, purple, red, whatever color you want to call yourself, there's nothing like that in God's sight. That's flesh. You know, I believe in Christ and I've never seen him in the flesh. You ever seen him in the flesh? Don't lie to me. None of you have seen him in his flesh. But he's as real as he is as I am right here. I no longer see him in his flesh. I see him spiritually. You've become to me brothers and sisters and none of you look like me. Some of you are thankful, some of you are grateful that you don't look like me. But only to those that have bad eyesight. So I look at that, and, and listen, I got passages, other passages for that, but this is a wonderful passage. We no longer look at the outward appearance of man. We look at what's inside. We want to know what you are spiritually. I'm concerned about your spiritual life. I'm concerned about, do you know him? Even if you're here today and you've never placed faith in him, oh, I want you to leave here knowing him. That's spiritual. That's not physical. I don't care if you ever ever given the offering. I don't care if you ever serve. I just want you to know him. Now, if you get to know him, as I said to the little boy earlier in this message, once you accept Jesus Christ, all that other stuff falls into place. Becomes, he, he becomes the master of your life. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. But you got to be in Jesus to be one. you got to get in there. But I'll tell you right now, if you're here, if you're a male, or you're a female, or you're homosexual, you're black, you're white, whatever? Color you're, I'm going to tell you, I love you. I want you to know Jesus Christ worse than anything. I want to take you to heaven with me. Now I would do that automatically. I would just put you in a headlock and off we would go. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. It works that one of us plants a seed, another one waters, but who gives it growth? takes God. You think I wouldn't have every person in my household be saved? You think I wouldn't do that? I absolutely would do that. That's not up to me. Guess what my job is? I'm either planting or watering. I got that passage written down here somewhere. And in verse 17, we're new creatures in Christ. What does that mean to be in Christ? Let me just really quickly tell you. We have five, five, four things, four or five things here I have down. For one, for me to be in Christ, I have security. God bore his judgment of sin on Christ, not on me. I don't ever have to worry about paying for my sins. It's been taken care of. Someone else has paid it. I just get a free gift. Number two, I'm accepted. I'm accepted by God. I was dead to him, now I'm accepted by him. God was well pleased with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ so that I could be in his family. That's acceptance, guys. I have future assurance. His resurrection to eternal life and inheritance in heaven proves I'm going to be there. Yeah, same for you. There's more to the resurrection than he was just God. He was God. That proved he could resurrect himself. But if he'd stay in the grave, Paul says, eat and drink because tomorrow you die. Nothing matters if he wasn't resurrected. You're not going to get resurrected if he wasn't. You want to be in someone that's dead? I'm into a live Christ. He's living, I'm in him. And I get to participate in his divine nature. That's Second Peter 1 4. I won't look at it, I don't have time. But if you want to question that one, that's where it's at. And I'm a new creation. At a new birth at a new birth that's fun huh yeah, I love talking about things that are odd to us because God says some things sometimes I'm like I don't know how to explain that except God said it oh, let, me, let me move on second M and we're not even done with that one I'm just stopping the ministry of reconciliation there's an actual ministry of reconciliation look verse 18 now all these things are from Phil Howard Larry Howard uh, Tim Ballstrom Todd Bolton No, all of these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through a lot of good works uh, keeping the law no, 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 through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Did you know that? Did you know that you were given the ministry of reconciliation? When you got saved, I guarantee you, you didn't know that, but the person that led you to the Lord was being the reconciliation. He was being an ambassador of reconciliation and the Lord was speaking right through that individual to your heart. That's what was going on. But this is given to us by God. Everything related to your conversion, everything related to your salvation. Everything that related to when you said, "I trust this and I trust it alone. I'm a sinner headed for hell. I can't please God. There's nothing I can do to become alive." Except place faith, and this was a gift from God also, the faith. And now I believe in him, and now I'm reborn. I've become a new creature. Everything related to the conversion and new life of a person is provided by God in His sovereignty. Everything that no one could boast. You see, if I could get it, understand it intellectually, and I made the choice, then I would be able to say to the person that doesn't understand it, see, I'm smarter than him. Which could be true, but I wouldn't be able to say that, would I? Or I could say, oh, he saved me because I'm better looking than you. Or he saved me because I'm white and you're not. Oh, yeah. White privilege goes right out the door with Jesus Christ. Right out the door. I don't even want to hear about it in the church. And trust me, I've heard a bunch of it. God wills sinful men to be reconciled to himself. Romans 5, 10, and 11. Listen to this. For if while we were enemies, you know what an enemy is? That's someone that hates you typically. And in military, they're trying to kill you. That's how much they hate you. If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. I died with him. I'm resurrected with him. I'm saved by his life. There'd be no saving if he wasn't resurrected. Huh? There'd be no saving if he wasn't resurrected. He was resurrected to life, and I'm in him, so guess what I'm resurrected to? Life. And life eternal. Amazing stuff. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. See, don't get it twisted. God doesn't need to be reconciled to you. You need to be reconciled to him. And there was no way you could do that without Christ. He's the only way. He's the only way. He's the only way. And then he dropped that ministry on us. I want to tell you something. Thank God that when I was five years old, and I saw Christ for the first time and accepted him. There was somebody that was an ambassador of reconciliation preaching that night. Thank God that he gave somebody the ministry of reconciliation. And guess what? It's not just preachers. It's everyone in this room. Everyone of you in this room. It became part of your DNA when you accepted Christ. What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. They're just ambassadors, serving the Lord. Even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one, I planted, Paul says this, he's writing it, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then, neither the one who plants, nor the one who waters is anything don't think of yourself of anything. Edwin Chandra, don't think of him as, oh, the great evangelist. No, he happens to love the Lord enough and has enough faith in him to say, I'm sharing this news with everybody. Because God changed me inside out with this news. Him and Calvin Collins, you can't be with them five minutes of telling you about Jesus. Thank God for them. neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but god who causes the growth he's the one now but listen to this but now he who plants and he who waters are one they're one in purpose they want you to know jesus but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor for we are god's fellow workers this is so fun when you think about this, when I'm sharing gospel with somebody, when I have an opportunity, I 125 people at the funeral, I shared gospel with them. The people here, I shared the gospel with them. When I get to do that, guess who I'm working side by side with? God himself. We're in the same vineyard. We're in the same spot. And and he's saying, Well, now wait a minute. It's gonna be a moment. We need some watering on that. So, Tim, you gotta come along and water. And then God says, now I'll produce some fruit there. All cause the growth. You know there's nothing that's planted on this earth that will grow if God doesn't allow it? Oh yeah, no, he's the one in charge of all the growth. You say, well, but the seed germinates. You explain, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But let me tell you something. That seed doesn't germinate if you leave it in the bag. It won't grab roots anywhere. There's all kinds of soils to throw it on. But it will not have a chance to grow if you can keep it in the bag. you got to get it out of the bag onto the ground. I can't water the seed in your bag. Amen? All right. I can see this is going to go just as long as the first service. And I'm trying my best to shorten it up. Verse 19. Now we're under the message. The message. This is the third M. Namely, so we finish up 18 with, uh, oh, let me read 18 and I'll go into 19. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And listen, here's another M for you. It's called mercy. See where I could have called this the M&M sermon. All right, so not counting their trespasses against them. What is that? That's Mercy all your trespasses should have been counted against you. But he says, when you you became in Christ, he forgot all the stuff that you've done in the past. He's not holding that on your account. Your account's been wiped completely clean. Your dirty account has been replaced with Christ's righteousness. What a thing, huh? Wow. And he has committed to us The word of reconciliation. He made a commitment to us that we're in charge of the reconciliation words, the message itself. You have to open your mouth and get it out. He committed it to you. He's made a commitment. He says, It's going to die if you don't say something. Now, he'd have had the rocks cry out if we shut up. We know that. God committed to us the word of reconciliation. And I say it this way. I'm going to sound like a big gambler. When you when I watch it on TV, these poker things they do, and a guy gets a really good hand, and he says, I'm all in. And he shoves everything that he has on the table over there. That's what God said with this reconciliation. He's committed it to you and me and to every believer that he saves. He's committed to you to be the reconciler, to tell them about Christ. He's committed that ministry to you, not the pastor and not you know John MacArthur because he's on television. No, to you individually. Each one of you has been given that ministry. So now listen, if you come to Valley... And if you've been here long enough, and you bring an unsaved friend, trust me, if I'm preaching, you're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what's going to happen. But that's not my responsibility solely. It's really your responsibility. Who will your friends listen to more than you? Me? I don't even know them. They've been watching your life. There's some people in this room that I've watched people that they've run into that those people are now attending this church because of the ministry of reconciliation of those individuals. People have gotten saved and they're they're attending here and their families are getting saved and they're attending Valley Bible Church and they're serving the Lord. Some of them were involved in Summer Night Camp last week. All because somebody obeyed God and said, "I am the ambassador of this great truth. I'm letting God speak right through me." He's all in on you being his ambassador. And now that brings us to verse twenty and twenty-one, and um, that's the final M—the method of how this gets out there. Therefore, we we are ambassadors for Christ. You notice that's present tense. That's like right now—you're His ambassador. You you might have just got saved last week. You're His ambassador. You might be saved for forty-five years. You're His ambassador. You might be saved for sixty years, like me and Tim, and you're His ambassador but it's present tense it's not i'm becoming his ambassador that would mean i got to do a bunch of work to get prepared listen one of the reasons that people don't share their faith one of the reasons that some people aren't ambassadors they don't know what to say that's the that's the duty of the church when it comes to evangelism it's not bring them here and i'll get them saved for you i can't save them any more than you can yeah but you say it differently well then learn how to say it differently Get in the word and trust it. Trust God's gonna speak through you when you're his ambassador. We are currently his ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. And that's exactly what he's doing. When you open your mouth to speak the truth about Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, asking somebody to join you in that good news, to get in Christ, you think you're talking? If you are, it's probably going to fall on a deaf ear. The Holy Spirit's speaking through you when you do that. Here's what I challenge you to do. You say, well, I never get a chance to witness. Pray about it. Ask God to give you an opportunity to share. I guarantee you this week you'll get an opportunity. But get ready, because if you ask him, the opportunity's coming. You better be prepared. Now, here's the thing. Maybe you say, well, I've never really fully understood how to share my faith. Now, at Valley here, what, one of our jobs as leadership, as elders, as pastors, is to train you, is to equip you. So you don't get to sit on the bench for 10 years going, I don't know. No, 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 no. I, I guarantee you, if you're in that category saying, I'm not sure what I should say, you come and see one of us afterward, we, we can show you what to say. We can show you in the Scripture what you should say. And if you get with an Edwin or a Cavan, they'll run you through like a six-week series on it. But it's really not that complicated. Why don't you just share what happened in your life? What Christ did to you and for you. Now, I'm going to do this really quickly. Two of the most special moments in my life, the most beautiful moments in all my life, was watching the birth of my two children. There, there's, no, there's just absolutely nothing that was like that. It, it was just it's. Um, stay with me. It's like a natural high, the adrenaline, the rush of that. It's just incredible, and I know a lot of you have experienced it. But I think, oh man, I, I told Lynn, I go, we should do some more of that, and she didn't agree. So we stopped with two because you know for me it was easy okay <laughs> like, hey, this is great stuff i love this but i'm gonna tell you something the only thing i've ever found that compares to that is when you tell somebody about jesus and they get it because there's a birth right in front of you that takes place they're not mature they're not teenagers automatically thank god and then they're not also adults right away right but they convert right in front of you. you can see the birth happen Why wouldn't we want to do that? And the supply is endless. If the supply is endless, it doesn't run out. You can, you can tell everybody about it. I, I feel like this: If since God's the one's got to grow, throw the seed everywhere. get it out there. Let somebody water it and let God do some growing. Why isn't Valley Bible Church full of new saved people? Ah, maybe the seed's been left in the bag. Possibly because it's not that the world doesn't need it right there's a famine in the land there's a famine in the land is that true do you think there's a famine in the land spiritually well man i wish you'd wake up and say amen to that let me share you real quick second kings chapter seven there's a famine in the land because the Aramean army has has uh, blocked the city from getting any food supplies or anything in and um Elisha tells uh, the king's man who's you know supposed to be someone real special uh, that within 24 hours you're going to be able to buy about 2 pounds of grain 2 pounds of barley for a shekel each and he laughs at him and says even if God himself showed up I don't think that can happen even if the God of heaven showed up that's, how would that take place how could that be and Elisha tells him this and this is a part of the story that I'm like eh, eh. alright So he says to him, he says, Well, it's going to happen, and you're going to see it, but you won't be allowed to partake in it. Now, you're saying, but why would God use me? I'm not very good at speaking. I'm not very good at this. I'm not very good at that. My my knowledge level is less than others. And listen to who God uses to fulfill this prophecy. He causes a great rumbling to happen, a great sound, and the Armenian army bolts. They run away from their camp as fast as they can because they think they're being attacked. They leave everything behind. Look who he uses there's four lepers. You know what lepers were in Bible times? They were outcasts, they were lower than the lowest because they couldn't come into the camps. They had to be on the outskirts always. So he takes these four lepers and they're reasoning amongst themselves. They're like, well, we're starving to death because there's, there's no scraps anymore that get thrown out for us to eat. So we're over here starving to death. There's a famine. They're starving to death. People, there's a famine out there. The world's starving to death. But God takes these four lepers. They go, well, we can't go into that camp, even back into our own city walls because... Not only will they not want us to be there, but there's no food there, so we're going to die of starvation. So why don't we just go over to the enemy camp? They seem to have food. Worst case scenario, they'll kill us, but we're going to die anyway, so let's go. So they go, and they find no one there. The Armeans have run away. They've split. They can't even be found. But guess what they left behind? All their food, all their gold, all their silver, their horses, their donkeys are all tied up just waiting for them. So they go in there, and the first thing they do is what we do, is we live for ourselves. Now, we changed that when we got into Christ, right? But you're living for yourself. So what they do, they get in there and they get their stomach full. And now that their stomach is nice and full and they got a few trinkets of gold and silver, they go to the next tent. And they go, hey, there's no one in this one either. Let's eat their food. So when their food is you know, about up to here, they go, hey, wait a minute, this isn't a good thing we're doing. We have an entire city over here that's starving. And here we are, acting like we're the only ones that are, have a right to this food this sound familiar little object lesson here so what do they do they return to the city and they tell everybody about it and they send some people out to make sure it's okay and then they tell the people there's food in this camp over here and they rush to there and they eat the food and guess what happens to that guard guy he happens to be in charge of the gate the guy that said if god himself came how would that happen he gets trampled by the people and dies So he got to see that there was food, but he never got to taste of it. Elisha was correct in both ways. And guess what? At the end of a 24-hour period, the wheat was one shekel and the barley was one shekel. God will not be mocked. Guess what he's saying to you? He's saying, you are my people. You are the... Look, the lepers were part of his plan. Don't sell yourself short. You're a child of the king. Start acting like it don't sell yourself short he wants he saved you to do his work do you believe that he saved you to do his work he says that he had predestined work for you Uh, ephesians 2 10 read it so he saved you to be part that tells people about the gospel you believe that well you better because it's written down there So what happens? We're making an appeal through us. God's making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Look, if I beg you, it's really the Holy Spirit talking through me to beg you to do that. I used to think that I had to beg you and plead with you and persuade you, and I should try to do that. But the Holy Spirit has to talk to your heart, or nothing's going to happen no matter how persuasive I am. And even if I persuade you to, oh, say the sinner's prayer, I could get all of you to say the sinner's prayer. You'd be no more saved than when we started you got to place your faith in Jesus Christ. That and that alone. It's not some prayer you do with me. It's something you do with him. But I can persuade people, especially if you're hurting. Really easy to persuade you when you're hurting. That's not what I want to do. I want to point you to the gospel. Let it persuade you. Let God speak through me. Let him speak through you. Oh, I don't speak very well. Oh, bull lonely. I've been with all of you. I'll talk a mile a minute. I get blamed for it, but you all do it too. What does it mean to be an ambassador? Well, Paul uses the term here to describe the role of all believers as a messenger representing the king of kings with the good news. And we're to plead with the people of the world to be reconciled to God who is really their rightful king. They're following after a king that doesn't have the right to be the king. But we got the real king. He has a right to be the king. Now, I'm going to share this and let you go. Uh, the gospel, the good news summarized by Paul. This is a wonderful passage, so I have to read it to you. This right here should make you want to share. This should make, if you haven't been uh, doing a real good job of being an ambassador, this will, make you, this will make you want to do it. Listen to this. He, God, made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin. On our behalf on my behalf on your behalf i don't care what you've done i don't care what you've done good bad indifferent you got to have this you got to have him so that we might become the righteousness of god in him it sums up the whole gospel he became sin because I couldn't have done anything with my sin except keep sinning but he came sin he didn't even know sin but he let the sin be, fall on him and separated from the father the whole thing he died, he was buried and he had the power to be raised again and he's at the right hand of the father right now right now and guess what, if you place faith in him you are in him you know what I'm up here preaching at the pulpit right now, but I'm right at the right hand of the Father, too. It's just a thought away. So why in the world did I get so exuberant about preaching this message? Well, good night. It's a fun one to preach. It's a fun one to preach. But I have to ask you, what's preventing you from being an ambassador? Is there anything that's preventing you from being his ambassador? you can make I was talking to a young man about this sermon before I preached it and I heard from him a lot of reasons why people don't there was a bunch of reasons well because they don't feel this way or they don't feel that way or They don't. you know what sharing Christ is not a feeling it's really not a feeling it isn't you should have some feelings in you that make you want to share but it's not a feeling like well if I feel like it I will no Please, I'm thankful that whoever the ambassador was in my life didn't feel that way that day. And and you probably have some ambassadors in your life that worked with you. So, like I said, this isn't to make you guilty, this isn't to make you feel bad that you're not doing it, but it's to encourage you to do it. Because he said, I committed that whole thing, it's up to you to do. It's up to us. We're the saved individuals in Christ with the greatest news of all time. And so he said, can you plead with them? Can you let me beg through you? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the truth of your word. I thank you that that you allow us to work right in the field next to you. We need to cast the seed of the truth of salvation. And then every now and then, Lord, you let us be there when that fruit takes place or that growth starts. And oh, what fun that is to be a part of that, the joy that we have in sharing you. And so we say thank you for that. I pray that um, your word will penetrate the hearts of these people and that they'll want to be more, uh, even me, Lord, even me. I want to be more of an ambassador for you, Lord. I, I don't do enough. I'm sure. Give me more opportunity. Give these people opportunity to share Christ. That your local churches will be overflowing with people who are new converts. People that have learned of of the truth of who you are and placed faith in you. That's the goal of the local church. And in that, you'll be completely exalted. For sure. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.